How was it? I liked it. Oh, I thought we was doing some Bane references there, but I don't know. I mean, we weren't. I said, hey, what's going on? That's the intro. That's yes. it. <laughs> That we're idiots because we don't know what we're talking about. That's very true. <laughs> That's Welcome to History Told by Idiots. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> I love it. It only took us an hour to figure it you out. You were baiting that hook and I swallowed it whole. Yes! Welcome to our weekly podcast. Are we going to try to do this weekly? Uh, sure, we'll try weekly. Join weekly, bi weekly, monthly. Uh, if Jordan or me or Ty won't can't do it, we'll Snapchat and or FaceTime or do whatever these kids do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is the old man of the group. I'm the old man of the group. I'm Josh, by the way, and to my left is... I'm Jordan. Um, and then Tyrell is our lead man. How, uh, how about you let me introduce myself? <laughs> nope. Getting ahead of himself. Nope. Oh. Nope. <laughs> I will introduce you. <laughs> I'm Tyrell. Ty, Ty is the tech support guy. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm the brains behind the operation. I'm an IT guy. Well, I'm the one that handles all the recording. Yep. What and brains you can have in a group of idiots? I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst the three of us. Catch us out on social media, Facebook and Twitter as of right now. Yes. And what's the ads at those? Uh, the ads are uh, history by idiots on both Facebook and Twitter. Yep. And feel free to drop a comment and tell us if there's something you want us to, to discuss. Um, we feel free, feel free to do that because, I mean, I'll run out of ideas after World War II anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We've had much debate about what what we want to do. And uh, during uh, during this podcast, uh, I will mainly be talking about crimes and trials and everything because I'm a digital forensics and criminal investigation major so that's kind of my thing he's fancy and when i did attend college i was very much a religion history major so <laughs> mainly history religion kind of just went out the door i'm just here as a catalyst <laughs> as a buffer <laughs> to keep the conversation in a nice flow and to learn myself honestly i want conspiracy theorists uh, theories I just want the opportunity to get on a soapbox every now and then. <laughs> the very first thing that I want to talk about, talk about is my obsession here lately with World War One. Uh, not the particular battle that I, I've been studying, I've been going over. Uh, but World War One is a seldom, rarely talked about to- topic. Right. Most people know about World War II and Vietnam and stuff like that. But the popular people, wars. The popular wars, yep. Uh, but... There were many battles in World War One, uh, but the one that I like focusing on that's particular is the Battle of Somme. Jordan, do you know about the Battle of Somme? Very little. I hope I'm saying that right. It's S O M M E Somme. My World War One repertoire is not as vast as it should be. <laughs> Ty, do you know stuff about the Battle of Somme? I do. Okay. Uh, the Battle of Somme. Once again, my French is not up to par how it should be. Uh, 
was fought July 1st to November 18th, 1916. So well over 100 years ago. Uh, and it's staggering about the amount of technology that come out of this war. And it's due in part to this battle. <clears throat> My first question to spark debate, to show you how grand this battle was, is that there was yeah, three nations. Britain, France... Germany that took part in this. And of course, Germany being the defenders. At this at this time, Germany was being the defenders. Um, how many how much how many lives were lost during the Battle of Somme? Uh well over Y'all you want me to put this in a multiple choice question? Yes, please. Okay, was it A? Like I'm almost hundred percent positive without You looked. <laughs> I didn't look, actually. Uh, was it A six hundred and fifteen thousand? B six hundred and fifty thousand or C over a million combined, German, British, and France. Over one million. So, I mean, is that your, is that your final answer? Yeah, that'll be my final, C, final answer. C being the correct answer, and uh, the life total was over one million two hundred sixty-five thousand. Was the Battle of the Somme the deadliest battle in history? It possibly is referred to as one of the, the bloodiest. Yes, like like. Post one of yeah, post barbarian age where we cut each other down. Well, like oh, I mean, the, even at that point, it wasn't like the death totals weren't that high because it wasn't in the millions. Didn't have the technology, you didn't have the population. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the actual breakdown total figures was let's see, the combined forces of both the British and the French was 615,000 while the Germans had over 650,000 that was lost due in part of poor communication skills because I meant the, the, tele, the telegraph was the largest technological breakthrough at this time and uh, literally they'd have men stand up and wave flags on the battlefield mm-hmm. in order to uh, and it's pretty cool because my favorite Arthur J.R.R. Tolkien was one of these men that did this. Mm-hmm. And actually, the Battle of Somme is what he fought and how he got his inspiration for Mortal. And uh, a lot of things that he's seen on that battlefield. But the biggest technological breakthrough of that time, what was it? Do you know what it was? Well, the thing that uh, the machine gun yeah. was invented. Okay, <laughs> are you talking about the Lewis gun? I am talking about the German Maxim. Oh, okay. The ger- German Maxim gun. Was the German Maxim before the loose gun? Or it was around the same time period. Okay. Yeah. It was around the same time period. Uh, it could spit out 450 rounds per second. So that was a thing. That's not what I was talking about, though. Do you know what the major technological breakthrough for this battle was? I'm going to guess communication. Some kind of that, communication. That was part of it. But do you know what caused the, uh, st- the break of the stalemate? Was it A, communication? B, the tank or C um mustard gas I'm gonna say B because yeah. you didn't act like I was right when I said communication and you hesitated <laughs> on C <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so I'm so gonna say the tank it was the tank it was the tank this was the first battle that I the, the tank was uh, was fought so yeah that was my little piece of historical information for tonight Ty <laughs> that's it what? Who was, who's the German leader in World War One? Was it Bismarck? Kaiser. Kaiser? Kaiser Bismarck. Yeah, yep. yeah okay. Bismarck. Kaiser Bismarck. Now, we could transition in Tyrell. I think that he has something interesting he wants to talk about. 
I do. Um, most people know about um, the Unabomber being one of the one of the major serial bombers of the United States. Um, most people, like a lot of people that I know, think of him as the first serial bomber. He's really not, though. Uh, there was another one that uh, that happened, started in the forties and uh, spanned into the fifties. A um, the former U.S. Marine George Metesky, he once he returned from World War One, he started working for a subsidiary of Consolidated Edison. Which, if you guys don't know, that is a power company in uh, in uh, New York, Connecticut, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. several areas. Um, he, while he was working there, he sustained an injury, left him disabled. He developed tuberculosis because of it, and the events that took place eventually led to him. He didn't receive any kind of disability benefits or any kind of compensation for it and uh, it left him a bit angry so of course yeah kind of pissed me off too i think yeah it it probably it probably would make me pretty angry i don't know if i would resort to what he did though oh um on uh on november 16th of 1940 Mateski placed a bomb on a windowsill at uh, Consolidated Edison. Um, it was found before it detonated, but it was found with the note that said, Con Edison Crooks, this is for you. That's creepy. Yeah, and it was initialed FP. Then, after, uh, after the initial bomb, uh, in September 1941, they found a similar bomb about... Five blocks away that uh, had not detonated, but it it all it didn't have a note attached to it. <clears throat> and then shortly after the beginning of World War II, uh, the New York uh, the New York Police Department received a letter that said, uh, "I will make no more bombs for the duration of the war. My patriotic feelings have made me decide this. Later, I will bring the Con Edison to justice. They will pay for their dastardly deeds." What a true patriot. <laughs> <laughs> then he he definitely followed up on this. So like I understand that this guy was very angry about this, but to hold that grudge, that much of a grudge for ten years is He, he led an entire war pass by he before he claimed for World War Two to end <laughs> before he started this again. Um, on March 29th, 1951, a bomb exploded in Grand Central Station. So he succeeded this time. Yes. This was his first uh, detonated bomb. Okay. Um, in April, another bomb exploded in a phone booth at New York Public Library. In August, another phone booth bomb exploded at Grand Central. Um, he'd also planted a bomb that exploded in a phone booth at uh, co- uh, the Consolidated Edison HQ and mailed another to them. But that one didn't detonate. So this guy really hated consolidation. This guy really wanted to get his point across. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, how many fatalities were there, do you know? None. There was no fatalities? None. There were no fatalities. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. 
there were there were several injuries. Yeah. Um, I think he was only he was only actually charged with seven injuries because of uh, statute of limitations. But I'll get to that. So was it mainly property damage? Yeah. Was that of. was that his goal? His property damage? No, his goal was well. I'll I'll explain that. Um, he in 1953, there were four bombs planted, three detonated. Uh, with no injuries. Oh, uh, there were also three bombs planted in 1952. Uh, only one of them caused one injury. Um, 54 saw four bombs planted, three detonated. Um, one caused three injuries in a Grand Central Station restroom. Another injuring four at a showing of Bing Crosby's uh, White Christmas at Radio City Music Hall. Wow. Yeah, he he cut open a seat cushion and planted it inside the seat cushion. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Creative. Yeah. <laughs> um, 55, he planted eight bombs in 55. Um, six of them detonated, but n- nothing caused any injury. Uh, 56, he planted four bombs, three detonated. One injured a bathroom attendant. One was mistaken as a piece of, uh, just a regular piece of pipe. And they, uh, a security guard took it home with him. And left it sitting on his kitchen table and exploded while they were sleeping on his kitchen table. Uh-huh. Wow. So this guy, it's safe to say that he was specifically after like infrastructure damage. He wanted to make a point. Okay. Is what he was getting at. Yeah. He wanted uh, media coverage. Oh, um, okay. In, uh, also in 56, he planted another one in a seat cushion at the Paramount Theater. This one injured six people. This one actually drew a very extensive amount of media coverage. Uh, police, uh, the police co- commissioner for NYPD, Stephen Kennedy, uh, said uh, he ordered for what he called the greatest manhunt in the history of the police department. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal. Um, Mateski was subsequently arrested. On January 21st, 1957, uh, they arrived with a warrant and questioned him. He told them, I know why you're here. You think I'm the mad bomber, which is what the newspapers had decided to call him. Um, after searching his home, they found all of his bomb-making materials. Uh, he uh, he had answered the door in pajamas, and then uh, the police asked him to get dressed for the trip to Waterbury Station, which is where he lived, Waterbury, Connecticut. And uh, he returned wearing a double-breasted suit. Huh. So he he was expecting heavy he, media coverage. Yeah. So he dressed nice for the occasion. Um, he ended up confessing to, the, uh, to making and planning each unit. He wouldn't call them bombs. He called them units. Huh. Um, he also remembered exactly... Each date, size, and uh, location of each bomb. A mad genius. Yeah. Well, um, they actually found another bomb that he would that he was working on, which was larger than any of the other bombs that he'd made. Um, and he told them that he intended that one for the New York Coliseum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They indicted him on. 47 charges 
uh, attempted murder, damaging a building by explosion, maliciously endangering life in violation of Sullivan's Law, which is concealed carry. Um, he ended up getting charged with seven counts of attempted murder. Um, he was brought to the court to hear his charges from Bellevue Hospital, where he was undergoing psychological evaluation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the judge declared Mateski a paranoid schizophrenic, found him legally insane and unable to stand trial. The judge? Found him? Yeah, the, ju- the judge decided this. Okay. Huh. Um, he was then commuted to a hospital for the criminally, uh, criminally insane on April 18th, 1957, where he spent the next 16 years until his eventual release. So he was released 16 was released. years later. Yeah. Okay. He was released. Um, they actually released him on good behavior. Huh. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I forget the they're not consolidated year. Edison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, I forget well, the exact year, but um, there was a law passed eventually that uh, anybody that was found criminally insane couldn't be kept for more than 25 years, especially if they were on good behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, well, they couldn't be kept in a, uh, you know, criminally insane like an asylum yeah okay they would just be moved to like a a a mental hospital um he uh he revealed while he was there that he deliberately made the bombs so that they wouldn't injure anybody he just wanted media coverage because he said that he sent over 900 letters to lawyers to the mayor of new york to all kinds of different sources and uh, never got one reply from any of these. Uh, you know, he just he just wanted to get his point out there that, you know, they, they cheated him. Yeah, he was protesting in his yeah, own special he, way. Yeah, he wanted to be validated. Mm-hmm. He wanted someone to acknowledge his um, hardship. Yeah. yeah. And he, when no one uh, did, he resorted to non-lethal bombs. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, like, and then, you know, after his release, he went on for the next 20 years without like, incident. They, ex- they expected him to die while at the, at the, uh, asylum. Yeah. Because, you know, he had TB, you know, they didn't expect him to live. Um, but no, like he ended up getting treatment and ended up living to 90. He didn't die until 1994. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's badass. In comparison with the, in, in comparison with the Unabomber, well, the Unabomber, well, he intended to kill people. Yeah, he intended to yeah, kill people. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, like he had the same motives in a sense, but like he set out to kill those people. Yeah, right. Uh, was which is probably why the Unabomber is more. Yeah, you know, that, that's why he gets more. Infamy, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he killed people. Yeah. Children. Okay. Whenever children are killed, it always yeah. gets more coverage. Yeah. As in, you know, media coverage nowadays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's not, let's not get on that. Yeah, let's not get on that. Let's time. not get on that well, road. I mean, it was just fitting to me. <laughs> I'm already triggered. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, that, that was really all he wanted was just media coverage. He just, he wanted to be compensated He wanted uh, for, uh, you know, what he'd been cheated out of. Hmm. I can think of worse ways to go about it. Yeah, I could think. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, that reminded me back. Um, you was talking about bombs and stuff. You know, I was just uh, t- talking about if I rewind the time frame back there from the forties to the teens. Um, you know, te- technology. I say I've said that said it before there, and uh, that there was just lacking the lacking of and time mentioning bombs there um, before the battle of Somi. Uh, history recorded that you know then it was it was practice that on the battlefield that there would be an artillery strike but you know one artillery strike like it is now do you know how many bombs were dropped in preparation for the battle so a lot because artillery was used as because uh, actually artillery was coming in its own during this time didn't they like physically drop the bombs from the planes, like with their hands? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we're talking about artillery. Okay. We're sticking it in a big gun and pulling yeah, the cord. Yeah. And boom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guess. Just guess. Or you want to put in a, a lot? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, what's your final guess? answer? <laughs> um, I'm not actually too sure on that. 42. 1.7 million artillery rounds. Oh, wow. I was close. That was from the British alone in preparation of the Battle of Somi. And you know what? It never hit a single target. Figures. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Their target for artillery back in that time was to try to destroy the barbed wire fences that were plaguing no man's land. Okay, yeah. And try to take as many bunkers, you know, as possible. artillery Makes sense. But not a single... Artillery shot. Yeah. He didn't start it. And so that was why the massive loss of life for the Summy. One of the massive loss of life. It was an inaccurate artillery inaccurate fire. Inaccurate artillery fire. Hmm. Because the Germans was able to rally and pull out. I think they said there was only three of those German Maxim 08s, three or four, that was able to set up and it cut down 20,000 men in the first day. So. Well. So that's pretty, that's pretty intense. That is intense. Yeah. I'm glad we evolved out of trench warfare. Yes. Trench warfare was... I mean, hack them into pieces with a serrated shovel. Yeah. 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 And falling over on rusty barbed wire. Yeah. Trying to get to your objective. And A lot of tetanus. When was the first time that, like, the United States actually resorted to, like, guerrilla warfare? Like... Are we talking about like like straight jungle warfare, or are we talking yeah. about like I'd say probably yeah. you know just using tactics other than you know? Well, couldn't you go back to the Revolutionary War in that? Because that's how America took such a tiny force, yeah, that's and true. caused havoc with the British Army. Because like standing in a trench warfare type situation, like field against field yeah. against the well trained. British dominant, army. Yeah, dominant British well, army. They, they was the best yeah. army in the world. Yeah, I mean, it was the single handedly so, the best army in the world. Yeah, so the revolutionaries had to come up with a different tactic. So couldn't you say that that's when guerrilla warfare for Americans first started? The militia. I mean, are. I'm sure there's other cases. I in watched my, the Patriot last night. You know, so yeah, <laughs> the Patriots on, and they took their inspiration from the way the Indians fought us. Yeah, hitting, hitting, hit run, run, hitting, run, hit hitting, run. Yeah. yeah, and it brought down the British Empire. Um, so couldn't you couldn't you tie that being the first American case of guerrilla warfare? That's true. I mean, I'm sure there's other cases of it in like Africa with the hordes of whatever. And well, I, 
I was like mainstream war. I was thought, well, I guess rare war is mainstream war. Yeah. Uh, I was like in the Viet, uh, not Vietnam, but the Philippines at the end of World War Two. Uh, I guess. Sure. I yeah, guess I didn't think about that. because like that was jungle to jungle warfare. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, they resulted to napalm, and, and we've never really like went away from guerrilla warfare since then either. I mean, we don't stand in fields anymore and shoot across. No, yeah. no, yeah, battle tactics have severely. Which Evolved. I guess really that really sort of died with World War One and the development of tanks. Yeah, it's hard to stay in the trench yeah. while the tanks are on top of I guess because the reason that we never really did that kind of thing before was that, you know, uh, you always saw all these forces coming. Yeah. Like, there was no way to do any kind of mass transportation. There was no hiding. No. And so that's that, that's kind of like why World War One was so important, and why it just blows my mind that they don't that they've stayed away from it, because you had the advocate of the train and yeah. stuff. That was that was why, yeah. you know, Russia was even even somewhat useful in World War One is because they was able to transport mass troops and stuff so fast, and uh, and then uh, you know even like chemical warfare evolved too. And more That's true. Yeah. yeah. So mustard gas, mustard and gas, and going back way back to where we first started. You know, that was kind of the cause for Hitler not sanctioning chemical warfare in World War Two because it said that he was in a he was a mustard cloud victim. Yeah. You know. Um. So. Yeah, he did have some decency. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Decency for a uh, mad titan. Decency, and uh, yeah, for a mad tyrant. Yeah, yeah. De- decency's kind of a. Kind mad of a there's kind of a low bar there because of uh, you know all the other things that he that he did. <laughs> all the other things. Germany was on vacation. You, you, you got to see the silver lining to Hitler. <laughs> oh my God! Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> yeah, he killed millions of Jewish people, but he didn't use mustard gas. I mean. Yeah, I mean, he was on Time Magazine's Man of the Year, so. Yeah, he was. That is very true. He was. <laughs> what year was that? 39? Yes. Yes. I couldn't remember for it sure. Was, it was before, well, obviously yeah, it, was it was before, before, it was before War. World War Two. Yeah, it was oh, obviously before World Obviously. I wonder if Time Magazine, like, has any copies of that one in their office. You know they do, they have to. They have to, yeah. Why do they have to? The archives, though. Yeah, archives. Archives. They yeah. have to. If that, the National Congress Library will have it. The Congress yeah. Library. They've definitely got it. Hell, I'd say this library's probably got one somewhere. I don't <laughs> know if this library would have one that old. The Time Magazine. Hitler edition. <laughs> I know there's some pretty old magazines in here, but uh, <laughs> I don't think there's one that old in here. Didn't this library burn down before? It burned down twice. Twice. Nice. And once before it was ever a library. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's probably no pre World War Two magazines in here. Yeah, the only reason that uh, we have the the Mountain Eagle like during that time is because uh, you know Mountain Eagle had all of it, had yeah. all of it on microfilm. Uh, I think it's safe to say podcast ended like ten minutes ago. No, I think we done. I think we done good. Yeah, I, I think, think we did. It worked out pretty well. Uh, very informative because I didn't know about the first Unabomber. I didn't know there was such a such a person yeah. as such. No, I didn't either. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I guess that well, uh, that's where we'll. Uh, I guess that's where we'll end the podcast. 
Um, hit us up on Facebook. Yeah, on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, probably have an Instagram eventually, just eventually. not right now. Um, no one wants pictures of us. Yeah, we're ugly. We want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> corgis. <laughs> Spider-Man and corgis. Lots of corgis. Corgis dressed as Spider-Man. If oh, you, if you, that will give bonus points, and we'll tag you. Um, I will be setting up a Patreon at some point. Ooh. Um, you know, if anybody likes us enough to actually support us on Patreon, um, I'll, I will post that link on our social media um and i will have it provided when uh, when we do our next podcast patreon it, it should be uh patreon.com slash history by idiots awesome sweet and please like comment and share comment anything you want us to discuss uh we're big boys we can handle most yeah stuff. yeah we're not easily offended we're comment easily what offended. we got wrong what we got right what you like about it <laughs> yeah um we handle criticism i think well. i mean we're gonna do this podcast mainly for us but <laughs> most <laughs> but i mean any kind of constructive criticism or ideas are more than welcomed we're completely open-minded we'll pretty much talk about anything right guys yep anything Maybe. anything's good for y'all Maybe. Yeah. i anything. think we should talk about you after next week oh my god oh, please no. <laughs> can we please uh i mean we could talk about what, what, the what? effect of pornography on modern civilization well, I mean, it would be history yeah, it would so be history i mean yes. you could talk about you have the history the hustler magazine all that let's talk about the hustler charles yeah listen larry flint's my hero so you're my hero, Josh. Listen, those trials are like some of the most fascinating trials yeah. ever. Like, I mean, that's Jesus Christ, number one. Larry Flint comes in a long second, like very close second. And I hear the music starting at Summit City, so I guess that's uh, <laughs> guess that's where we'll end it for the. Night. That's Josh. Giggity, giggity, goo. <laughs> <laughs> this has been History by Idiots. I guess we will see you next week. No more. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it.